People of God, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It is a joy to welcome you to worship at Morrisville Presbyterian Church, whether you are a longtime member or visiting with us for the first time, whether you are here in our sanctuary or joining us from afar. We welcome you. It is a delight to be worshiping with you this day. If you are in our pews, there is a red friendship folder. We invite you to take that and note your presence with us and pass it to your neighbor so they can do the same. And if you are visiting, we would love the chance to follow up with you in the coming days and so would invite you to provide enough information so we can do that successfully and get to know you even more than we already do. It is our, in our life together, friends, we share our joys and our concerns, and today I ask that you lift up particular prayers for our friend Dave Schoenthaler, who is in the ICU after a very bad fall with a brain bleed, and so we will continue to lift up Dave and Marilyn, who sits at his side, but ask that you would remember them, especially in prayer this day. Friends, it is always a gift to come together as the people of God. It is always a gift to worship God in this place. And so as we come before our God with hearts open, with minds open, with ears open to receive God's word in this place, may we do so as a family of faith, and may we do so in worship together. Let us worship God. Beloved church, indeed God is calling. So let us stand in body or spirit and join together in our responsive call to worship as it is printed in your bulletin. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to the Lord with songs of praise. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Let us worship God together. Please continue to stand and join in singing our hymn number 65, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah.
we give to our great God what we can. We give our praise, we give our faith, and we also give to God what holds us back from a life in closer union with our God. So trusting in the grace and mercy of our Lord, let us confess our sins using the prayer of confession as it is printed in your bulletin, followed by a time for silent confession. Merciful God, in this life of faith, you are always seeking to make us new. But we are a stubborn people. You are so patient with us, but we fail to be patient with you. You promise you will never leave us, but we assume your promise has conditions. You promise to be with us always, but we easily conclude you have left us to fend for ourselves. Forgive us, O oh God, for our fickle hearts. Forgive us for our forgetful minds. Help us to stand on the firm foundation of your promise that we might live as your faithful people. Hear the good news. There is forgiveness and steadfast love with God who saves us from all our sins. God has shown this love for us in that, while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. So together, let us proclaim the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. As forgiven people, let us share with one another the peace of Christ using American Sign Language. May the peace of Christ be with you. And we respond also with you. Let us share with one another the peace of Christ. Let us pray. Living God, who is always bringing life into the words we speak and hear today, speak to us once again as you have spoken to the generations before us, to the people of Israel as you led them into the wilderness, as they settled in a foreign land, as they told of your faithfulness to their children and their children's children. May we remember and teach your faithfulness here and now once again. Amen. Please join me in the Psalter reading, the responsive reading found in your bulletin. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods, in his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and the dry land, which his hands have formed. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. 
For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Oh, that today you would listen to his voice. Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness, when your ancestors tested me and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation and said, They are a people whose hearts go astray, and they do not regard my ways. Therefore, in my anger, I swore they shall not enter my rest. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Amen. I would now like to invite any young friends forward for a time for young disciples. Hello, Tucker. How are you? Good. Hello, everyone. Come on down. Come on down. It's good to see you. Hello, Allie. Hello, hello. Well, hello. I'm so glad that you all are here, and I need a little help today. Come on down. Come on down. Because I have some things in my bag, and I need a volunteer. Don't look, Tucker. Don't peek. I need a volunteer. Would anybody be willing to be a volunteer? Oh, well, Tucker, you don't know the rules of youth club yet, but if you volunteer someone else, that means that you have to do it. So why don't, why don't I stand here? Why don't I stand here? And why don't you see what's in my bag, Tucker? Well, why don't you give me one thing at a time and see what's in my bag. Okay, what do we have here? We have a, okay, we have a block. All right, what else do we have to, okay, we have a soccer ball. What else do we, oh, we have a tennis ball. Okay, Tucker, oh, slow down, slow down. So it looks like, it looks like I have too many things in my bag for me to carry. I already dropped, all right. That, that's about it, Tucker, that's about, that's about it, that's about it, that's about it. So it looks like I have too many things for me to hold all at once. I can't hold it all together. Do you think that you all could help me hold these? Do you think you two could hold this? Okay, maybe, maybe you two can hold that. Maybe you two can hold... Yeah, go ahead. And Tucker, do you want to hold that? And I'll see what I dropped. And together... We can all hold these things together, okay? We'd, I don't have to be the only one that holds it all together. Because in this season of Lent, in this season of Lent, we are working on being a people under construction. We are working on how to be better siblings, how to be better children to our parents, better, uh, better friends, better church people. And so we don't have to do this all on our own. We don't have to hold and juggle all the things in our life together. We can look to our friends, to our church, to our family members, for them to be able to help us to be a people under construction together. So why don't we do this together, and one by one we'll place these things back in the bag. Do you think you put that there? Thank you. Very nice. Who could put that back? Thank you. Thank you, Allie. Very good. And if you can, would you repeat after me in our prayer? Repeat after me. God, we thank you, God, we thank you. for people who help us, and for people who love us. And we pray, and we pray. that we might help them and love them too. Okay, you can think of the people who help you as you run back to Mr. Carpenter. Friends, our Old Testament scripture today comes from the book of Exodus, the 17th chapter, verses 1 through 7. Together, let us listen for the word of God. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? 
So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Well, go on ahead of the people. Take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I'll be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel and he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together again. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us and mold us. Fill us and use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. And to that end, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, this past November, our family traveled to Disney World, the happiest place on earth, for our first ever family trip We surprised the kids. The flight was on time. We settled into our hotel, ready to hit the parks the next morning. And one of the kids spiked a fever. I'm not particularly proud of what we did next, purchasing all of the children's Tylenol in the gift shop in hopes of keeping the fever at bay and squeezing in some magical moments. After all, we only had a few days We only had a few days there. We wanted it to be as magical and memorable as possible. Little did I know just how memorable the week would become. By the end of the first day, both kids had been diagnosed with the flu. They both had high fevers. We'd navigated a particularly unfortunate vomiting incident while waiting in line for a ride. And I had lost track of how many bottles of children's Tylenol and ibuprofen I had procured. When I went to speak to the front desk about extending our trip, perhaps just by a day because our kids were so sick, it was not starting well, I was informed that no trips were being extended because of the tropical storm that was headed our way. It turns out during that same week, Florida would experience its first November hurricane in 40 years, making it impossible for us to return home as scheduled. My favorite family photo from the week was all of us in our ponchos, in the magic kingdom, in the pouring rain. And I promise you there were lovely and magical moments amidst the madness, but it was a harrowing week, certainly one we will never forget. And as we waited in the airport to return home, one of our children lay on the floor of the airport and read a nearby sign that said, Disney World, the happiest place on earth. To which that same child responded, more like the barfiest place on earth. (laughs) In that moment, Disney World did not live up to its name. And it would be up to us to consider how we wanted to remember our trip. Scott Hazy reminds us that in the Old Testament, we read with semi-regularity that certain places were given a name. Most of the time, it was a nice name. Jacob has a dream. 
and named the place Bethel, or God's house? Or a monument of stacked rocks would commemorate a place where God helped his people, and they called it Ebenezer, the stone of help. God comes through in the nick of time to prevent the sacrifice of Isaac on Mount Moriah, and so Abraham names it Yahweh Yaira, or the Lord provides. These are nice names that evoke happy memories that celebrate God's goodness. And then we get to Exodus 17, and we're right back to some equivalent of the barfiest place on earth. God does perform a powerful miracle in this story, water from a rock, no small task. But when it comes time to name the place, Moses does not opt for a nice name to commemorate God's provision. No, Moses names the place Massah and Meribah, or quarreling and testing. Moses, it seems, did not want to remember the magical moments that happened in between or the miraculous event when water came pouring out from a rock for God's people. No, Moses wanted to remember this place for its worst parts, Massa and Meribah, the quarreling and the testing. Now, to be fair, this was the second time in two chapters that the Israelites were complaining to Moses for this miserable wilderness to which he had led them. And it wasn't just, I'm tired and hot, Moses. No, it was, we'd be better off as slaves back in Egypt, Moses. How dare you lead us out of slavery for this? And so I don't blame Moses for running out of patience. Plus, he must have been frustrated hearing them complain again because just one chapter earlier, they'd been complaining they were hungry. And Lord behold, God provided quail and bread from heaven. Could they have really forgotten God's faithfulness so quickly? And fortunately or unfortunately, the answer was yes. They had forgotten again. None of this looked remotely like the promised land brochure Moses and Aaron had sold them back in Egypt. And so the grumbling and the moaning and the quarreling began. Again. And as Scott Hazy puts it, there was not a single tent in the whole wide camp that Moses could walk past without hearing his name being taken in vain by somebody. So even though this was also the place where God would provide another miracle in the wilderness, I can understand why Moses may have been inclined to remember the place for its worst parts rather than its best. And I imagine you can relate. I know I can. Oh, remember this? You recount, this is the place, we had that amazing meal, it was so delicious, our friends met us later for dessert, what a great night. Remember this place? Uh, yeah. I remember this place. I remember it because our friends were actually supposed to meet us for dinner, but they were so late that all we had time for was dessert. And then I lost my wallet in the dark parking lot, and it took us half an hour to find it. Have you forgotten that part? But we don't just do this with places. Like Moses, we also do it with people. Sometimes we hold on to the worst of one another. Sometimes we even hold it up for all of our friends to see. We judge. We make assumptions. We jump to conclusions that one bad moment or one bad experience should define someone for the rest of their life. We keep people in boxes we've made in our minds, assuming that they are incapable of growth or change. We assume that someone's bad day ought to be held against them forever. Proof that they are always rude or always a mess, or always behaving in ways we don't approve of or don't like. We've all done it. But we've also all had it done to us. 
We know what it's like to have someone remember the worst of us or the worst version of us. And it feels pretty awful. Moses is perhaps more human in this text than we're used to seeing him. So it catches us a bit off guard. After all, in this text, he's not meeting a burning bush or making demands of the great Pharaoh or parting the Red Sea. No, in this text, Moses is complaining about people who are complaining about him. Granted, no one likes to be the one people are complaining to or the one people are complaining about. So we can understand why Moses cries out to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. So we can relate to his impatience. We feel his frustration and his anger. His humanity is on full display, as any of ours might be. But the interesting thing, the interesting thing is that God doesn't seem to share his impatience or his frustration or his anger. And God's the one who seems to be tested chapter after chapter. Instead, God just says, Well, Moses, give them something to drink. Come on, Moses. I mean, I'm sure, they're angry, they're nervous about basic needs. Wouldn't you be if you were in slavery for multiple generations? You've seen me a lot more than they have. Give them a break. Just get them some water. Have you ever had someone show you grace when you were at your worst? Have you ever been complaining and groaning and someone offers care and provision for you when you were least deserving but perhaps needed it most? In this tense moment, God has the grace and the patience to say, you're right, Moses, you're right. They have forgotten my provision already. But they're still learning. They're still growing. They're still a people under construction, and frankly, so are you. And I'm still willing to be patient. I'm still willing to be understanding and gracious, so just remind them again who I am. Remind them again. Give them some water from the rock. Moses does what God commands, and then he calls the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord. And I'll confess that my own judgment might lead me to think Moses chose this name out of spite, wanting to remember the worst of the people and the worst of the situation they were in so they would never forget. But Moses was a person under construction, too. And perhaps he chose this name to remind himself and to remind the people of God that even when they were most angry and most frustrated and doubted God the most, even then, even then, God showed up providing water from a rock, a miracle of grace in the desert, even for a forgetful and groaning people. It's made me wonder if we're capable of this kind of grace, too. Grace offered when those around us are not at their best, Grace offered when patience and love may not be deserved, but are perhaps needed more than anything else. And I want to be clear, I'm not suggesting something that looks the other way or makes excuses in an abusive or dangerous situation. That's not grace. 
No, the grace we see from God is a grace offered when God could otherwise be quick to judge. When God could otherwise be quick to blame us or call us a forgetful people only remembering the worst parts of us. But instead, God chooses to intervene with patience and love and understanding, providing us exactly what we need and meeting us exactly where we are, offering grace upon grace, water from a rock. It's made me think about our life together in the church. How often we have the choice to be like Moses at his worst, remembering the people at their worst. Or we have a choice to react like God, offering water from a rock when it's needed most. In the middle of the fellowship hall sits a woman you don't know with a kid who won't behave. And you could make eyes at her and glare or judge and leave that day remembering that luncheon simply because of that obnoxious and misbehaved child who spoiled your lunch. Or you could remember that luncheon as the day you met someone new because you sat down with her and offered to help her. Or at the very least, smiled and said, we've all been there. And we're so glad you're here. Water from a rock. During the time for silent confession, your focus is disrupted when someone hits you with their coat as they're trying to get into the pew behind you. They're late, again, and they don't seem to care what's happening in the service when they walk in. And you could let that entire encounter affect the rest of worship for you. You could hear them singing off pitch and think of all the other things they're doing wrong. You could email the pastor or the worship chair when you get home demanding that someone speak to this inconsiderate soul who had the audacity to bump you with their coat when you were trying to be prayerful. Or, or you could give thanks for one more person who made it to worship that day. One more saint of God who may be going through more than you can even imagine. One more child of God to whom you can turn and truly pass the peace of Christ. And ask them their name if you don't already know it. Water from a rock. You're serving on a committee and suddenly realize one of your committee members is not in a good place. They're being short with everyone, cutting people off, generally acting frustrated and annoyed to be there at all. And you could go home and complain to your spouse or call all your church friends about it when you get home and gossip and encourage your friends to jump to the same conclusions you have already made, that this person is rude, that they don't actually care about this church, and so their opinion probably shouldn't matter at all. Or you could take a deep breath. Consider there might be something else going on in this person's life that has nothing to do with you and nothing to do with this church. And make a point to pray for them that night and call them the next day to see how they're doing, to let them know you noticed they were having a hard time and that you care. Water from a rock.
I'm certain I will always remember my child calling Disney World the barfiest place on earth. But it's not how I'll remember it. And I'm certain that like Moses, we'll all find ourselves leaving places or people with judgment or frustration from time to time. But perhaps in this life, under God's construction, we'll also remember what God has done for us again and again, offering patience and love and understanding, providing us exactly what we need when we need it most. And perhaps we'll step out in faith to do the same for others, meeting them exactly where they are, offering patience and understanding and love, grace upon grace, water from a rock. May it be so. Amen. As a people quick to remember judgment of places, people, and even ourselves, we give thanks for our God who always responds at abundant grace. So let us bear witness to that grace and seek to respond. Let us stand in body or spirit and join our voices in singing hymn number 81, Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken. the whole church, let us confess our faith through the Apostles' Creed as it is printed in your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Ghost, 
born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Let us pray. God, who led our ancestors in the wilderness, both the ancestors of our tradition, the people of Israel in the literal, literal desert, and the lineages of our own families who have struggled through many difficult times. We have tasted the pain, the hunger, and the thirst of being in the wilderness. We have been told stories of this pain, or we have experienced it ourselves, in our own lives, in our own communities. We've experienced the wilderness of grief when we have lost beloved family members, whether our flesh and blood family, our chosen family, or our church family. We've experienced the wilderness of fear and uncertainty when we don't know how we will navigate a new diagnosis, or when we have received bad news that upends our world. We know how hard it is to remember your faithfulness in the wilderness. So today we bring to you our own wanderings and wanderings, the worrying in our heart that asks, is the Lord among us or not? Will you, Lord, provide for us or not? Why did you bring us here in the first place? Thank you, God, that even when we ask these questions, even when we question your love for us and your ability to provide for us, even when we close off our hearts to you, in an attempt to protect ourselves, however foolishly. You still meet our needs. You still come through for us. And as you show up in our lives, we are changed by your presence. May we be changed by your presence today, God. May your providence not only sustain us, but also transform us. May we find ourselves with fresh courage and hope with renewed compassion for our neighbor, with open-heartedness to each other, and to the fear and longing of our world. So we left to you the concerns of our community and our world, with full confidence in your faithfulness, that you are capable of meeting us, even in what feels like the most endless wilderness. We lift to you the many who are hungry in Morrisville and Trenton, that you might bring the healing that our earth and our society need for all to be fed. We lift to you the indigenous communities in Alaska this week who learned that their land and sources of food would be threatened by new oil drilling as we continue to exploit the earth's resources for profit. We ask that all your people might remember once again that you have provided enough for all of us to share. We lift to you our trans and gender nonconforming siblings who continued to lose their safety in several states this week and who are longing for hope and care in this new and terrifying wilderness landscape. We lift to you once again those who are suffering around the world, from those fleeing war in Ukraine to those who have lost their homes in Turkey, from those sick and suffering in Syria to those starving from drought in Somalia. We know, even in the midst of war and famine, even as many who need health care are unable to access it, that you are faithful, that you have provided us with more than enough. May we be quick to share what you have given us and to ensure that everyone can access what they need. May we open our hearts to you and to each other. All these things we pray in the words your Son taught us, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. water comes from rocks, bread falls from heaven, and the desert has the ability to blossom with abundance. So let us take time now to give of who we are and what we have in whatever way we are called, so that we, that way we can participate in this abundance and grace of our God. Ushers, please come forward to collect our morning offering.
God whose gifts know no bounds. We ask that you might take this humble offering from a people on our own journey, that you might use these gifts and those that give them to create a space of abundant grace and glory. In your holy name we pray. Amen. As you are able, please remain standing and join together in singing hymn number 638, O come and sing unto the Lord. Thanks. My friends, as we go out from this place, let us remember the grace upon grace, the water from the rock that has been provided for us, and let us go out into the world to help share that water with others. As you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, be with those you love, and be with those you are called to love, this day and forevermore. And together we say, Amen. <laughs>